TBN Network. Browns fans talking to Browns fans. A mama cooks in Italy, a mama swims in Argentina, mama's got a chunga, yeah. My mama's watching Venezuela, mama likes Cinderella, mama. I don't know yet, but I'm excited. The Cleveland Browns select Baker Mayfield. Yes! 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 Well, hello. Greetings and salutations. Good to be speaking to you. It's been a little bit of a while since uh, we have graced the web waves, as it were, here. My name is Easy Weave. This is Easy Does It on the DBN Network. Uh, fastly approaching its third year in pursuit of uh, providing um, audibly some uh, news and perspective and, uh, you know, just, just a different outlook than what you will find anywhere else about our beloved Roarange helmets of the Cleveland Browns. It's been a, it's been a bit since I've talked to y'all. I've been, uh, I've, I've, you know, I've just been busy. I've been, uh, I'm, I'm a very busy guy outside of what, you know, we do here and when, and uh, with both the, the network and with, um, you know the writing that I, which also I have been derelict in doing. Um, plus, it's been the off season, right? And there's just you know you get it, you reach a point. You know the, the NFL season it, it never really ends, right? You got the the actual games that play. You know preseason is and actually preseason is going to be kicking up here not too long a period of time. Right now today is uh, the 21st of July, so we got training camp that's opening next week. So it's really kind of at that point of the year where football is. You know, it's 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 fitting to happen. It's for real. I mean, up until really, you know, the, the draft happens, uh, and then after the draft happens, there's all of the you know kind of post draft analysis. How do teams do? How did we do? How do these players fit uh, with with you know our scheme and who's going to be starting and all of those sorts of things. And that goes on for a and then you have in addition to that, you've got players that you know, invariably you'll have. A bunch of guys that are kind of hanging out, uh, you know, kind of middle tier free agents that are hanging out until after the draft happens to see, uh, you know, what, where, how things shake out because their market value can be, you know, increased if they go to a team. Let's say a team was trying to improve a certain position in the draft and then the draft happens and they're unable to for any number, you know, variety of reasons. They just, every time they tried to get a player at that position that they wanted, a team snuck up and got them, you know, instead of, uh, and so they weren't able to do that and so on and so forth. Thus, when you've got um, so in, in our case, we added Michael Kendricks, uh, and that was kind of our last year was Jason McCourty. So as I was saying, you, you kind of go through that, and and the league has kind of gone through that process. And so once that happens, though, you know, kind of once you get past the 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 you know the, the post draft couple of weeks and kind of posturing at that point, it really just kind of becomes a whole bunch of speculation. It really just becomes a whole bunch of you know what I think is going to happen, and not me. I'm talking about I'm you know I'm just saying in the in the commentariat, and I'm not saying that it's it's not worthwhile to explore a lot of that stuff. But I'm just you know as as something of a pragmatist, I I just kind of look at it like I've I said what I said about all of this several months ago, and there really hasn't been a whole lot to add to that in terms of. Um, you know any new information or new news that has come to the fore that would really kind of cause me to change those positions. So 
really, I mean, it's it's just like, I mean, do I want to come here every week and just talk just to hear myself talk and so you can hear me talk? I guess. Maybe if we're talking about uh, things like, you know, maybe I could. Cause, you know, I know that uh, my buddy Gin and Tonic loves whenever I talk about um, the, the Bottlegate game, you know, so maybe I could just do like multiple podcasts just talking nothing about but and nothing about anything but the uh, the Bottlegate game. Or the uh, final game at the old stadium, or just generalized uh, Cleveland Browns, you know, history and tidbits of stuff like that. And I, I guess that stuff is appropriate for the offseason or the um, the offseason football league thing that I always advocate every year. But I don't know. This year, it just kind of um, I, I just I don't have as much uh, ambiguity, I guess, about what's going to happen with the Browns. I'm I'm, I'm I really and, and it's difficult because. I ha- I have a kind of a dual thought process of I I mean I'm really 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 optimistic. Don't tell anybody. This is just between you and me. But I'm really kind of optimistic about it, really everything right now. And I, I shouldn't be. I know that because we're Browns fans, and of course our our lives revolve around uh, you know painstaking, soul crushing, heartbreaking disappointment on a a regular basis like you know yesterday uh our our, our old buddy b kig bernie uh, kosar was uh uh talking about the, the 25 the top 25 uh worst moments in uh for the browns going back the last 10 years and so i just sitting there thinking about it i jotted down what i thought those uh those, those top 25 moments would be and you know and i think as the uh as the show goes along here i may i may recap all of that and you can agree or disagree right i mean if you disagree you can go on the uh the article that's associated with this or hit me up on on twitter or facebook or send me an email or whatever you want to do there's all sorts of ways to to connect out there these days but however you want to do it um you know, you can certainly tell me where I'm wrong and uh, and how and why things should be there, shouldn't be there, and, and all of that. But like I say, as as we go along here, I might um, I, I might delve into that. But the but as I say, the 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 focus of the team, the direction of the team, and kind of where I see things, I've got this these countervailing objectives where I feel really, you know, really, you know, I feel really good about the team. But at the same time. You know, I, I don't want to. Uh, I, I don't want to uh, summon the Jinx monsters. You know, I don't want. I don't want Forth to bust out the uh, the voodoo doll that he's got for all of us. Whenever we start saying good things about the team, because then, uh, you know, I, I, I just you know, I just don't. I don't desire to have you know like uh, like 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 you know pins poked in my arm and so forth. But I, I, at the same time, uh, I, I can't. You know, I can't be anything but honest about the way I feel about this. So I'm, I'm going to try to navigate. Those minefields, and and then also you know reinforce um, you know some of the things that I did talk about a few months ago, and how to the extent that anything has you know changed or or been modified or upgraded or whatever, uh, then we'll you know we'll get into it and and you know talk about those distinctions. But you know before I get into that, one thing that has happened since the last time that we gathered together here was the departure of LeBron James. And of course, this is a this this whole the DBN network is all, is about all things you know orange helmet related and not necessarily about Cleveland sports. But you know we are Cleveland sports people here. Most of us, I understand that not everybody that is a Browns fan is a I, I know very well that not everybody that is a Browns fan is a fan of the Cavaliers, and I certainly understand that uh, a lot of the 
uh, people that are, are Browns fans that maybe even don't have a problem or, or anything with the Cavaliers, but they just ha- had a super problem with LeBron James. And, and you know, I, and I realize it's been several weeks. It would have been more like, hey, easy. This is like old news. You could have talked about this a couple of weeks ago. I know. But I'm just, you know, like I say, I've been busy, so now I'm talking about it. You don't want to hear it? Then, you know, it's 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 it's, it's what it is. But the I don't have really any kind of I, I just I did not have a strong emotional reaction to it when it happened. Uh, and, and the reason for that is I kind of feel like, you know, when, when he came back and, and I'm like a lot of you guys, I, I when I was living in uh, the, the, the NEO area, I was working in West Cleveland the morning you know, after we won the lottery to draft the guy, it was like Christmas morning, you know, I mean, and I remember all of the excitement. I remember the debate about, you know, well, should we draft him or should we draft Carmelo Anthony, who had just this incredible uh, year at Syracuse the same at the same time that we were talking about drafting James. Obviously, we made the right decision. Uh, you know, so then we draft him, and then we ha- he has the success he has early on, and then you've got the, which, I mean, had, even before he left, even before the, the, the decision, he had already catapulted the Cavaliers to heights they had never seen. Uh, so when he, le- but when he left, obviously it was, it was a really painful thing for, for a lot of us. And yeah, I was among those. I didn't, I mean, I didn't have a Jersey to burn, uh, and I don't know that I would have even if I did, but yeah, I, I definitely, um, lost the, the, you know, respect for him. I, I did not, you know, at, to the extent that I, uh, paid attention to the NBA over that time, it was for no other reason than to root against LeBron James. Uh, which turned out to be, you know, a, a kind of a fool's errand because the guy went to the finals the whole four years that that he was uh, on that team. In fact, what is it now? Like nine straight finals that the guy has been to, or something, something crazy like that. So he comes back, I'm, and, and again, I'm just I'm not telling any as I go through all of this. I'm not saying this from the standpoint of how anybody should or needs to think about this. I'm just talking purely about the way that I think about this and 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 that's and, and from from that perspective and answering people that just because when the when this you know decision was made this last time around and he decided to, to bolt to uh, the Lakers you know you got kind of this snarky um you know, response from predominantly from people who aren't Cavs fans, uh, kind of you know pointing at Cavs fans, saying, "Oh, you're going to burn jer- your jerseys now? They're just leaving again." And I'm, I'm just, I'm just telling you where I'm coming from. You don't have to share the view, but for for me, you know, when he came back, he wrote that letter, uh, which essentially, and you could look. I, I understand people. Are, you know, he didn't write that letter, right? I don't care. He signed his name to it, and the letter basically said, "Look." I didn't realize what I meant to this to this city and and to this or and and to the organization when I left four years ago. I didn't treat it with the gravity that it deserved, and I'm sorry. And furthermore, I'm going to make it up to you. And at that point, my attitude about it was all right because uh, I did, first of all, I did not believe. For one second, that he was going to come back. I, you know, I thought when when the rumors were firing up that he was going to come back to Cleveland, that it was just that there was no way it was going to happen. And it, but yet he 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 shocked me and he proved me wrong. And when he wrote the letter, at that point, I said, "All right, you know what, LeBron? Not that he cares about me, but you know, to the extent that it matters, you know, you and I are good at this point." But now you got to get me that championship. <laughs> you know, I mean, you, you you did this, and we lost the last four years, but now you got to get me a ring. And here's the thing: he did it. Yeah, um, you know, we, we went the four finals, and we only got one ring. But 
guys, I mean, I'm, 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 you know, almost forty. Uh, I've been a Cleveland sports fan of all of the teams for about, you know, in, in essence of about twenty five years. And I've never, I, I've only had that one championship. Well, let me, I, I did have, I have, I've gotten two uh, Ohio State championships that I cherish. But I, I, I got to tell you, even though those were great and those were amazing and, and loved them and, and they were wonderful moments, it just, just not the same. It's just not the same as, you know, your professional Cleveland teams. I mean, the Cavs, the Indians, and especially the Browns, you know, they've got a place in my heart that, you know, as much as I love the Buckeyes, it just doesn't compare. And so when when the Cavaliers won, and, and we kind of, uh, on the chow a little bit, we kind of rehashed some of that this week, that, that you know, that championship feeling, the moment, you know, when, when Kyrie drains that three. And if you remember in that final game seven, it was tied, I think at like 89, for like five, the five minutes in in the fourth quarter, there was no scoring. It was just two teams playing ruthless defense, and then Kyrie hits that three. And then, uh, actually, first, uh, LeBron had that incredible block, and then Kyrie hits the three. And then Kevin Love had that incredible defensive uh, series. And then LeBron goes up for the monster dunk that he just misses because Draymond uh, Green um, you know, kicked him in the junk. And so he goes to... Uh, the foul line, and he hits one of them, and I just, you know, I remember that whole thing, and I remember when the clock ticked down, and we won. It was the only, guys, it's the only time in my life that the Cleveland team did not end up on the short end of the, you know, the the heartbreaking, soul-crushing loss. It was the only time that we actually emerged from that, and the clock ticked down, and there we are with the, with the higher score at the end of it all, and we're all just kind of, if you remember, we're all just kind of standing there like, you know, somebody's got to throw a flag. You know, so, something's got to happen to reverse this. And it didn't happen. It was kind of like it was shock. It was kind of lethargy for a moment. And then it was this, um, just this this uh, elation that, uh, you know, I, I could have, yeah, yeah, I would have liked to have had more of that. Certainly uh, would have loved if the Indians would have been able to uh, finish it off as they came oh so close to doing it you know, later on that year. You know, that's another thing. It, without that that Cavaliers championship in 2016, that Indians World Series would have been much, much, much tougher to bear. Uh, and as it stands right now, you kind of you know the Indians were so uh, they, they really looked last year like they were the team to beat, and you know then they then they 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 obviously didn't didn't turn out that way. And yeah, I mean they're they're looking pretty good this year. They're going to cruise to a division title, and um, and we'll see. But you know, I'm just saying that if if the Cavaliers wouldn't have pulled off that championship, it would have been so much more difficult to take that ca- that uh, that Indians loss. So uh, you know, I, that's another reason why uh, I'm grateful that you know, I, I, while I would have liked to have had more, and while certainly I think the Cleveland deserves it a lot more than you know Golden State, whatever. You know, I mean, I got one, and if it's the only one I ever get, then I then I got at least I got that one. You know. Uh, and I'm just grateful for that. And so, as uh, this time around, when LeBron leaves, I kind of look at it like, um, "Hey, I'm, I'm I'm grateful for what you did here." And I don't I'm not I'm not saying that when you go to L.A. that uh, now I'm going to be uh, a Lakers fan. Although I guess if I'm paying attention and the Lakers are playing Golden State, I'll root for the Lakers only because you know screw uh, Golden State. But uh, but outside, but it, more often or more likely is I'm just not really going to pay attention to basketball. I mean, I'll, I'll see what the Cavaliers pro. pro uh, 
um, progress is and I'll you know watch it but I mean I expect it to be obviously you're, they're not going to be what they've been uh, the last four years without LeBron James and without LeBron James we don't win that championship that's the point the guy played whatever you want to say about his intentions leaving the first time around whatever you want to say about uh, the you know him leaving now the guy put it I mean he he played his heart out he put everything he had into winning us the only championship we may ever see and so I, I don't, as I say, I'm not, I'm not going uh, uh, into this thinking that, you know, I'm going to be, and I'm not, I'm not going to be rooting for him now. It was with the Lakers. But I'm tell you, I'll tell you this, though. I'm not, I'm also not going to be going into it with, uh, like, the attitude like I did when he went to the Heat where I'm going to be actively rooting against him. I don't really have anything for him now at this point, at least for the remainder of his playing days. I got nothing against him, and I got nothing for him. I don't care about him anymore. Uh, and part of it has to do with not just the fact that he got us a title, but seriously, the guy's been playing for 15 years. How much longer does he realistically have? You know, is he going to play for another 10 years? Chances are he's in the twilight anyway. And so fine. I mean, it's probably time for the Cavaliers to whatever it is that, and maybe the the, the path here is to follow kind of what the Sixers have done and just kind of, you know, go through a couple years of tanking hard, try to get some top picks and, uh, and you know, go from there. But uh, as I say, I, I'm I'm just I don't have any any hard feelings about it. I I don't um, I don't have any like it's not like hey you know I'm I'm with you for the rest of your life. I, you know, when he retires, I'll probably maybe look back a little bit, uh, you know, reverently on on what he did there. But you know, I didn't really do that with Manny, and and I liked Manny more than I liked LeBron, quite honestly. Uh, it, it crushed me when Manny left, and Manny didn't even do a uh, you know a big primetime thing about it. In fact, if you go back and look, the the contract that the Red Sox gave him compared to the contract that the Indians offered, the only thing that was different was the uh, was the deferred money. Uh, so that really hurt when Manny left. Um, but you know, it uh, you know we never won a ch- Manny never won a title. You know, with the not, I mean baseball, I get it. it's a different sport than than football or a whole lot of. And we got really. Re- I got to tell you, while the the uh, the the, the twenty sixteen World Series, I just don't have the same sort of you know uh, pangs of of remorse and regret uh, that. Um, I, I don't. I don't have that same feeling I do for the '97 series. I think about that '97 series still haunts me. I mean, it's. I think about it, and it just. It's. You know, somebody was. Uh, I, I think it was uh, a, a brilliant guy, by the way, Joe Fabitz, who's on the the Chow. I, I I love that guy. He's just. I mean, I just everything that he writes is is a brilliant. But, you know, he he was a kind of going through the machinations not long ago of well, you know, Sandy Alomar should have done this in the top of that inning, and he kind of breaks it down. And he's he's not wrong, but then our buddy Scott was like, dude, it's it's still too soon. And he's right. For me, it will always be too soon to rehash the. The intricacies of how all of that went down in Game Seven of the '97 World Series. It's just one of those things that um, I, I, I will, you know, I will stop being tormented about it the day that I leave this world. So, uh, and, and and it's fine. You know, it's 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 just one of these things. If you're a Cleveland sports fan, it's it kind of hardens you. And this is not to say because uh, I know I do realize that there are people that are Browns fans that don't care about the Cavaliers or the Indians. And I'm not trying to say that you know if you if you don't follow all three teams, then you don't understand. But I am saying that there really is if you if you love all three. 
uh, you know what I call, what I always affectionately refer to as the beloved three. If you are a fan of those three teams, it really does paint the the fullest picture imaginable about the the futility of being uh, of this entire situation. Yeah, sure, the Browns exemplify it, um, you know, more than anybody. Although the Browns didn't come anywhere near as close to winning actual championships as the Cavaliers and the Indians have over that period of time. Although you go back in the eighties and there was the the AFC Championship games that were you know heartbreaking as as they could possibly be, and certainly they were snake bitten. But for the last twenty years, we haven't we've had we've had two winning seasons. Yeah, if you don't know that, like if you're if you're Somebody that's only uh, been following this team for, you know, I don't know, short period of time. You think, yeah, it's really bad. But no, the last since 19, actually since 1995, we have had two winning seasons as defined by uh, a a better than 500 uh, record. And that was in 2002. We went nine and seven. And in 2007, we went 10 and six. That's it. And then we had two seasons where we went seven and nine. That would have been 01 and uh, 2014. 01 was a fun year. But and then that's it. And then uh, I think Romeo went six and ten his first year. And then there's been a whole bunch of five and elevens and four and twelves. And then of course the last three years we've gone a in in, in order we've gone three and thirteen, one and fifteen, and now last year of course the big fat um, um, you know nothing burger that produced though the um, the situation that we are in right now. And so uh, you know to, to to kind of put a bow on the, uh, the 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 LeBron thing. I just, you know, I'm 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 at peace with it. And again, I do find that the people that have the harshest criticisms about it are the ones that aren't actually Cavs people. Uh, but be that as it may, uh, on to the Browns and you know, kind of where I, I see everything at present and where I, I see the future of this team. And you know, there, there, I, again, I think that there's reason for optimism, and I, and I always have to caution it because the you never know what could happen. And honestly, the while I look at this roster, and I'm definitely going to get into the roster here um, and, and talk about where. You know who I see doing what and, and and why I'm optimistic about everything. The roster is only a portion of it, the, and 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 I think that this is something that really and this is just my opinion, of course. But I think that a lot of people focus um, solely on that, you know, solely on talent, and and I, I think incorrectly uh, a lot of the the futility that we've experienced, not just over the last you know two or three years, but really going back. Uh, I mean, since since the return, a lot of people put our our futility on talent, and I and I don't think that that's really what it's been. In particular, the last couple of years, I would really put it much more on coaching. Um, but then again, I think that also is a, a, a you know the, the, the it flows from the organizational structure, which I've you know talked about at length and don't need to uh, get into here. What I am encouraged about, though, is that it does whether by uh, design or whether it just kind of has happened this way, it does kind of seem like we are reaching a point where there is something of a coherent organizational structure in place that is not just, you know, every single person in the organization that is a decision maker or an administrator, you know, directly uh, dealing with and reporting to Jimmy Haslam. Which has it's it's what's led to this toxic situation. It's why I'm convinced that that Hugh Jackson felt. Uh, I, I don't. In other words, I don't think that Hugh Jackson is just a terrible human being that threw Sashi Brown under the bus because he's a terrible human being. I think it had to do with the organizational structure and the the culture of that place. Because if everybody is reporting to Jimmy Haslam and Jimmy Haslam is putting pressure on everybody, you create a competition of. Um, 
of competence, right? I mean, it's it's basically everybody saying, uh, you know, well, I'm not really the reason it's the problem. It's because Sashi isn't giving me enough players. And, you know, maybe, now, having said that, I'm not going to say that Sashi Brown's hands are necessarily clean in this. He probably did the same thing to, you know, Alex Shiner or Ray Farmer or whoever, because that's the organizational structure that Jimmy Haslam has erected here. But, uh, you know, I'm going to, I have to, well, I have been critical of Jimmy Haslam basically from, <laughs> well, really, I've been critical of Jimmy Haslam um, in, in, a, in a major since uh, ever since the firing of of um, of Rob Chudzinski, because I just thought that that was one of the most ridiculous uh, instances in, in Brown's history, where you you know you, you you blow up the entire team and it was like you know four coaches in five years or whatever, and then we, you bring in a guy and he you know you give him one year anyway. Don't need to rehash all of that. And when uh, when Haslam fired Sashi Brown, if you remember, I was irate when when that happened. But you know, I've said since then. And and I do believe this, even though that I, I did not think was was a smart decision. In fact, I think I said it was the stupidest decision he could have made. Didn't mean that bringing in John Dorsey, affectionately referred to as Meathead from time to time by me, I, just because he brought in Dorsey, or I should say, even though that was the worst decision he could have made, that doesn't mean that bringing in Dorsey isn't the best possible thing he could have done to follow up on it. And I got to tell you, I, I'm very pleased with the job that John, not that, not that I matter, but I'm just saying I am very pleased with the job that John Dorsey has done in, you know, kind of taking the the uh, foundation that Sashi Brown and I, I think we also got to throw Paul D. Podesta into this mix because he was brought in as the chief uh, strategy officer. And you notice that, you know, he's never really ever talked about uh, when when all of that happened and we fired Farmer and Petten and we brought in Sashi. We also brought in D. Podesta. And that's really like he had a press conference and we talked about analytics and then he just kind of went away. He's still there. Uh, he's still part of the organization. Remember, he's the uh, the. Uh, character from uh, Moneyball. You know, he's always been been the the Moneyball guy. And so uh, it, that, but he's there, and we've done all of these moves over the last couple of years. I'm just, I, I've, I've, because I think that there is something of a common thread amongst the way that some of these contracts have been handled between Sashi and now the John Dorsey era. But that's getting kind of hair splitty because you can certainly look at things that are different, and definitely the approach has been different. Sashi, for the first, you know, his well, his only two years, but the first two years of this process. You know, it was clearly all about uh, amassing as much capital, both in terms of draft picks and cap space, as could be gotten. So that way we could, at a a point in time, which turned out to be this offseason, basically just splurge all of that capital and try to do it in as targeted a fashion as possible. And so when you look at, you know, Sashi was responsible for acquiring all of those picks that ultimately John Dorsey was able to, you know, use. And it looks to me like John Dorsey did a good job of using those picks. And so while I, I was definitely, I would have preferred to see uh, Sashi Brown stick around, I, I am willing at this point to, well, I don't really have a choice, uh, but I, I, I can see some some wisdom in, well, I actually could see more along the lines of some luck that we ended up with a guy that actually was competent and, and could do these things, assuming that he is. But, the, you know, the big reason why, I have a lot of faith in John Dorsey is because the last two years he went and took the two quarterbacks that I was 100% behind. Uh, I was, I mean, I was 
I was very much uh, for Patrick Mahomes. I had him just, you know, by an eyelash above Mitch Trubisky. I really liked both of those guys, but I liked Mahomes more. And Dorsey, you know, he he bet the farm on it, and he, you know, basically he may have wrecked his career in Kansas City to move up and get Patrick Mahomes, who I think is going to be a stud, and we're going to see this year because he's going to be the uh, the uh, starter for the Chefs. And then, of course, this year I was, you know, all about some Baker Mayfield from really from about I don't know mid October up until the moment of. Uh, of the draft, as you well know, because if you listen to the intro to this program, then uh, it was, yeah, I, I'm, I'm still very much on uh, on that trail. Uh, but uh, so, I mean, it's it's you know, and not that I'm any kind of uh, you know expert on these things, but look, I mean, I, all I can go by is these are the guys that I thought were the best. John Dorsey apparently agrees with me, so that to my mind, led some credibility. And since I'm the one making the evaluation, I have to take my own, um, you know, evaluation into consideration here, right? Uh, and, and, and anybody's free to uh, to do the same thing. So I'm just saying that with, and, and since the quarterback uh, position is the most important one, clearly, uh, of the entire team. When Dorsey is, um, you know, picking the guys that I think are hands down the best, you know, that does kind of lead me to to give him the benefit of the doubt in other ways. But then, um, even without giving him the benefit of the doubt, I really like the selection of. I mean, Denzel Ward was after all of everything, you know, after stripping it all away and looking at, you know, who, you know, Bradley Chubb or Saquon Barkley or whoever, whoever it is that that uh, and, and people were talking about Derwin. James possibly in that in that mold or um, Minka Fitzpatrick or any of these you know kind of they, they, all of them had their pros and cons but to me when when you kind of looked at all of it uh, the guy that and it wasn't necessarily a slam dunk home run but it was I, I did kind of look at you know Denzel Ward just kind of makes the most amount of sense and so the, as it happens Dorsey ended up picking the two guys that I thought were oh I mean well look it, uh, to me getting Mayfield was the only thing that mattered uh, and I still think I mean if if the entire draft which, which I think was a great draft this I, I'm very much of the opinion that the draft that we just had was a tremendous draft. Of course, you can't know until three years go by. I get that. But just for my own personal uh, you know, evaluation, I thought it was a great draft. But if, if it wasn't, if every single player that he got bombed except for Mayfield, guess what, kids? It was the best draft we've ever had. And uh, and, and I, I am still very much of the um, opinion that Mayfield's going to be. There's, no, there's nothing that's happened to this point that other than you know, the one thing that has happened was Mayfield going on the Coward Show and just owning that guy. How how cool was that? Uh, Coward goes out there and tries to um, to humiliate him and, and Mayfield. You know this kid has a a media savvy that is uh, it really is uncanny, and not that that's necessarily important, but it is kind of fun to watch. And uh, I'm just um, I'm, I'm still uber excited about about all of this. So uh, again. With the uh, with with the the moves that Dorsey has made, and now with there there does seem to be a symbiosis between he and and Hugh, and I, I and as I look at Hugh Jackson, you know the one thing that and, and look I'm going to admit you know as we go through this some things that I ended up being wrong about and and happily wrong about. I don't care if I'm wrong about things if the things that I'm wrong about end up benefiting the Browns, such as I did not think going into the off season that there was any chance that Hugh was going to relinquish his play calling duties. 
uh, or I should say his play calling prerogative, because I just thought that, that was, you know, that was his thing. And, he, and, I, and I, as it turned out, we bring in Todd Haley, who, you know, on paper looks like really a great addition to, to what we're doing. And then it was kind of announced, yeah, he is going to relinquish the play calling duties and we're going to have somebody else running the offense. And, and I got to tell you, that is only but good for us. It's only, I mean, and uh, going by what I have seen the first two years from Coach Jackson. And I'm not going to, I'm, I'm not, you know, trying to, um, to, to talk smack about Hugh, who did end up jumping in the lake, which actually, honestly, as an aside, and I'll get back on track here in a moment, but if it were me, if I were Hugh, I would have punked the media in the final press conference to say, hey, I told you I, we weren't going to do this again. I told you I was going to jump in the lake if we did 1-15. I didn't say anything about 0-16. But that's just me. Uh, Hugh is not me. And Hugh went and he jumped in the lake. And, uh, and, and good for him. I, I have to... You know, kind of at the end of the season, if you especially if you if you listen to uh, the final game uh, cast, which you know I, I had to, that was kind of a reason. That's also another reason why I haven't been as active this off season. Is that final that final um, game cast at the end of the 2017 season was that was out of character for me. I really try to be even keel. I try to be upbeat, optimistic, positive, all of that, and I just I wasn't. I was very very uh, angry. I was very mad, and and I had a lot of my anger was directed, obviously, at Jimmy Haslam and 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 Hugh Jackson. But you know, as as and I and I don't like to be angry, and I don't like to express anger. And I'm not, I'm the furthest thing in the world from what you would consider a shock jock. I don't come on here and say, "Oh, hey, are you mad about this? Why well, did you get you even madder about it?" I think that's stupid. Okay, I, I think that I think that if you're, I think you listening out there are a smart, informed, intelligent human being that cares about the Cleveland Browns and wants to hear an even keeled, uh, thoughtful discussion about it that doesn't involve a bunch of hyperbole and people um, you know hanging swinging from the rafters uh, shrieking like banshees over things that they're upset about I, that's and that's just not my personality I, sure I could I could effectuate it just to uh, I don't know, um, try to garner some of that support and get people, you know, wh- whipped into a frenzy. But I just, I don't, I don't think that it's, that it's beneficial to, uh, to be that. I don't think it's good for your health, quite honestly, to be that way. But whatever, um, as I've had a lot of time to kind of uh, review all of this, I, 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 I think that there really has to be, when you're evaluating Hugh Jackson's performance up to this point, I really do think that there, you really should factor into some of this that maybe part of the reason why there was there because there were so many guys there were so many things that happened over the last two years where you're like why how in the world what in what galaxy does it make sense for us to be doing this i can't believe that that hugh jackson is just so tone deaf on everything that some of this wasn't on purpose you know what i'm saying like like i just suggested that maybe what the cavaliers should do is is follow the sixers model of just being so terrible for several years that they end up acquiring you know a a lot of young talent and they end up um turning it all around well look at what these last three years of and this is not an exaggeration the worst Football the NFL has ever seen has been by the Cleveland Browns these last three years. And so with that in mind, you know, you've got, I mean, four and 45. That's that's our record over the last three years. Uh, and it's even worse, uh, or is it four and 49? Maybe I'm, I'm, uh, yeah, I think actually it is. I think it's four and 49. No, no, I'm, 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 I'm including the final five games of the, of the, of the, uh, 2014 regular season. Don't need to beat, beat up the point. Point is that while we have gone through that, look at what we have to show for it now. 
We've got Miles Garrett, who if look, I don't unless you're unless you're you know people pe- some people that I love but who are just flat out wrong about this. Like B- BTB, love you, but he's and I also I think that he also just likes to troll people. Uh, but you know, and 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 Farmo, you know, love that guy, but he, you know, there's people that were just disappointed in in Garrett's uh, performance as a rookie, which I think the about the only thing that you can be upset with is that, and I forget who the guy was. It was the backup tackle that stepped on his leg, and so he ended up missing like the first four or five games. And yeah, while that was disappointing. Once the kid got on the field, I don't know if what you were looking at if you didn't see all world talent coming from you know coming from the edge. Uh, did he get you know did, did he have fifteen sacks his rookie year? No. Were there games where uh, he he struggled? You know, I'm, I'm thinking particularly against the Titans where uh, he went up against and the guy's name uh, escapes me uh, escapes me right now. Their their left tackle who's very good. Um. You know, and and he, you know, sure that happens. He was a rookie, but there's just no denying the talent that's there. Or on the other side, Emmanuel Ogba. I don't know how anybody watches those games last year and doesn't see that, that guy's a beast. Uh, and I am so of all the things about this team, you know, going into this year that I'm most looking forward to. It's seeing both Emmanuel Ogba and Miles Garrett, and yeah, oh by the way, Jamie Collins all on the field at the same time. We didn't get that last year. Maybe for I don't know what was it. It was it was. I, somebody put, uh, put the number of plays, and it really was just a very, very, very uh, small percentage of plays that those three guys were all on the field together. And so, um, I, as as we go into this year, uh, I, we have you know that's a pretty um, um, a premier talent. To, and of course, I think we got the and and yeah, I mean it's it's easy right for for somebody to take what i'm about to say here about baker mayfield and say well yeah of course you think that because you're the team your team drafted him uh you know which is to say you're you get you know kind of uh, orange colored glasses you uh you allow your own uh not prejudice is the right word but your bias to impact your analysis that because I love the Browns, I think that we got. But I, I'm, I'm just saying objectively, Baker Mayfield was the best quarterback prospect I ever scouted that I ever remember. And I know that guys that have been watching, you know, football for a while, oh, you're crazy. You know, there's all sorts of guys that had, you know, were, were better uh, prospects. All right, fine, fine. I'm not going to uh, argue with you. That's like your opinion, man. Uh, I'm just telling you, for me in my house, I never saw a quarterback prospect that did the things at the college level that Baker Mayfield did. And I was, and I, to go back to the beginning of all of this, when I first started scouting these, you know, there comes a point in, the, in uh, every Brown season where you're like, all right, uh, this year's over. Let's start taking a look at uh, the prospects coming up in the draft for next year. And that happened for a lot of us in like late September last year. And, and I was certainly among those and I was starting to look at you know quarterbacks and the first guy that I looked at was Lamar Jackson which very unfortunately ended up being drafted by Baltimore but I just I saw that guy I'm like this guy's gonna be amazing I I don't see how this guy's not gonna be the first pick in the draft when you look at his combination of you know arm talent and the the way that he can play from the pocket and and of course his his uh, otherworldly ability um, with the ball in his hands but I remember it was Bizono, who um, isn't around very often, and that's unfortunate because he had a lot of great contributions to uh, to DBN. But, uh, you know, he's like, hey, man, uh, before you get all uh, – because he knows me. He knows that, that once I, I latch on to somebody, I yeah, I mean, I, and I hadn't gotten to the point where I – he was just the first guy that I watched. And so I was, you know, I, I just I, – I got a very favorable impression of him. But I hadn't watched everybody. But Biz was like, hey, dude, you've got to check out this kid, Baker Mayfield. You've got to watch Mayfield. Before, you know, before you come to another conclusion, you've got to check out this guy, Mayfield. Okay, so I watched Mayfield. 
And then, and I've talked about this before. I don't want to belabor the point, but I, 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 it took me all of maybe thirty seconds of the first game, which I think was the Sugar Bowl against uh, Auburn, to see my first wow throw. And it wasn't a wow throw like with Mahomes. With Mahomes, it was you would see these you know fifty, sixty, seventy yard passes where he's just dropping it in the bucket to you know no name wide receivers. I mean, Mahomes was you know the the thing about him was just the oh I can't believe that he's got this. This physical talent with with Mayfield, it was the wow, the ball placement and the way that he's able to read and react so rapidly to what the defense was throwing at him. To me, it was the cerebral things that he was doing on the field that just made me fall head over heels for him. Because and you know, of course, I think a lot of people were looking at he's he's kind of short and he comes from the Big Twelve. People just kind of associated him with and he you know he had the 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 things that. People focus on the crotch grab and the running from the cops that one time and all that. And they're, they're like, oh, this is another Johnny Manziel. And it never really moved off that spot. And and I get that. I'm not begrudging anybody for having that point of view. I'm just saying that I um, I, I realized really quickly that, no, uh, this is this guy is nothing like Johnny Manziel, both in terms of his, uh, uh, his, his well, his off-field uh, uh, personality, but you know, definitely when it comes to his talent playing quarterback, particularly between the years. I never saw from Manziel what I saw from Mayfield or even close to it. So, you know, but I get why other people dismissed it and didn't really give him the look because he doesn't have that prototypical quarterback frame that people, you know, 6'5", uh, you know, and, and, you know, cannon arm. Although the arm, again, you watch, there's absolutely nothing wrong with Mayfield's arm. Uh, but again, he doesn't have that, you know, the as we joked about, the tall enough for cold weather thing that we <laughs> we talked about. He doesn't have that, but what? But what's most important about playing quarterback? Is it having the strongest arm? Well, if it is, then how come Jeff George and Cordell Stewart are not, you know, uh, Cordell Stewart? <laughs> Cardell Jones, 12-gauge. Cordell Stewart did not have a, um, a a cannon for an arm, and he also didn't have uh, the cerebral. He was just a, a, a terrible quarterback. But then again, he was a wide receiver they tried putting at quarterback. Either way, um, you know, uh, uh, Cardell Jones. You know, he was not 12-gauge. He was not somebody that has done anything in the league, and he's got one of the strongest arms ever. Uh, Joe Flacco has a tremendously strong arm. Would you consider him to be an elite quarterback? That's who we. Uh, that's kind of like the, the barometer we always talk about between elite and not elite. And, of course, I think the, the returns on that is that he's had one amazing offseason, but he's not really truly an elite quarterback. Of course, the Ravens just drafted his replacement, so it kind of speaks for itself. All that to say, arm strength, while important, is not anywhere close to the the most important thing. Uh, what's the most important thing is the ability to, and I mean, you know, I, I'm a broken record on this, the ability to uh, make smart, quick decisions and sharp, accurate throws predominantly from the pocket. And you got to be able to have, you don't really necessarily need um, you know, mobility per se. Uh, it's, it, as much as you just need the ability to navigate and avoid rushers. You know, you look at guys that are the best able to avoid sacks. They're not guys that are able to. They're not you know like Randall Cunningham or Michael Vick, guys that were just ridiculously absurdly athletic. It's the guys that are able to just just shimmy a little bit, just kind of move and make the right move at the last second as the defender is approaching. You to just kind of you know sidestep those guys. Those are the ones that end up being the most successful and are sacked less. And I'm not. Saying 
saying that uh, that that Mayfield is you know otherworldly talented wise when it comes to that, but the ability to navigate the pocket. I don't know that. I mean, people talked about his footwork. I. I well, I just don't know what they're talking about because I don't know that I've ever seen anybody from the college level able to. I, I remember people were uh, were just goo goo gaga over Jared Goff a couple of years ago and his ability to his footwork and all of that. I, I mean, personally, I think I, I thought he was kind of jittery when it came to all of that. And Mayfield to me was a thousand times, but whatever. People, good people are are free to disagree about that. I'm just saying that the things that were the most important to me, I thought um, he was the guy. And and I say all of that to say now, as I kind of go into my uh, my Browns preview for uh, how I see all of this going, uh, I said before the draft started, or before the draft happened, in the build-up to the draft. Uh, and as we were all kind of, and if you remember, it was, and I did, look, you know, after I did my film study of Mayfield, I looked at Darnold, and I looked at Rosen, and I looked at uh, Josh Allen, and I gotta be honest with you, I liked all those guys. I just like Mayfield more. And I think that, um, although I have a much less degree of confidence in Allen than I do any of those other guys, but I, I think that they're all going to end up being good. I think this quarterback class is, is definitely going to be uh, looked at in, you know, 10, 15 years as being comparable to that, uh, and, and probably even shorter time than that, to that uh, that classic 83 draft class where you had, uh, you know, Elway and, and uh, Kelly and Marino and a couple of other guys that maybe weren't of that uh, superstar status but had good careers, Kenny O'Brien and so on. And I think that that's what this class is going to be all about. But I think that Mayfield was absolutely the uh, the the. Well, I don't want to say he's the Elway of that class because I'm not really a, a fan of old horse teeth. But I'm just saying that as a guy that uh, he should have been the first guy uh, taken at the top of the class, and he's going to be the best quarterback of that class. But what I said before we even drafted him, and what I have not wavered on, and am not wavering on right now, and am saying again right now, is that what I said at the time was that if we draft. Baker Mayfield. I made two predictions. He will be the starter day one, and eight wins is our floor. Now I know as soon as Fourth hears me say this, um, he's busting out the voodoo doll, and I, I you know, and look, it's a cross-eyed bear. Um, what am I going to do? I, I just have to, uh, I just have to, um, I just have to take it. I, I just have to accept uh, what what the world gives me. Um, but as we sit here right now, you know, July twenty first, I have not changed my position on this and I know I know that we acquired Tyrod Taylor who uh, affectionately referred to as thyroid but we got him for a third rounder and I think like what a 15 million dollar contract he's under contract for one year and when we got him Hugh Jackson made you know made it very clear he you know kind of threw the gauntlet down right in the first initial press conference. Tyrod Taylor is our starter. That's it. All right. Fine. Uh, I don't believe you. <laughs> I, just say, I, I just don't. And the reason I don't believe is because I don't think and this is, look, Tyrod, if you're if you're listening, you gotta understand. I love you. I, I do, and and I listen. I, I am not gonna argue even a little bit with. He's better. Tyrod Taylor is a better quarterback than anybody that we have had here since uh, I, I Tim Couch maybe. I, I would I would put him a caliber above uh, even Derek Anderson because Derek Anderson ended up being fool's gold. Uh, but uh, who who's who's better than than thyroid uh, Hoyer? <laughs> no. Uh, who else? McCown had you know Drago had a couple of uh, good years with us, played pretty well with us. But nah, I I, I and, and, and and trust me, I I love me some Josh McCown. He's yeah, just as a man um, and as a quarterback. I. I 
I hope he gets a chance to uh, start again for, but I, I don't think that he will for for the Jets because uh, I know that he's got another another uh, round there with that team. And I would love it if he came and, and finished his career here. I think it would be great if uh, next year when uh, when Thyroid leaves, if McCown comes back, it ends up being uh, Baker's uh, backup. But I think that this year uh, Thyroid's going to be Baker's backup. And the reason I think that is because while I think that Tyrod Taylor is better than any quarterback that we've had here in a while, um, Baker Mayfield is special. Um, Baker Mayfield was the first pick in the draft for a reason. And I understand people that – and this is the thing. Anytime that I say this, um, like Navi, who – talk about guys that I love. Navi is <laughs> – I just love that guy. And, you know, he has been very uh, vocal in his support for thyroid. And he also has not been um, in agreement with me about my position on Mayfield. And he's, he said, you know, hey, look, I know this is what you want to happen. And and my thing is, look, this is – I'm not coming at this from the standpoint of what I want to see happen. I think you always have to make that distinction. There's what I want to see happen, and then there's what I think is going to happen. Now, interest of full disclosure, yeah, I want to see Baker Mayfield as the starter uh, because I think that he can be. I think that uh, he's got everything that it takes to be the starter. He's bought the most pro-ready quarterback to come out of college you know, since Andrew Luck. So, yeah, I'd like to see him be the starter. I don't see any reason for him to have to sit, but just because I want that to be the case, that's not really the point that I'm making here. I'm predicting that he's going to be the starter on opening day because I think that as we eventuate through this process, he's going to win the job. I could be wrong, and look, if I'm wrong, I've got a, uh, I've got a, a uh, bet with. Well, I haven't seen this dude in a minute here, but uh, my dude, uh, believe in Cleveland. We, we've we've got a uh, a twelve pack bet on this. If I win, then he's going to have to send me a twelver uh, of long neck bottles. By the way, we're very specific about this. This is not a, you know, to uh, to uh, quote the the room. This is not a Mickey Mouse. Operation. Uh, he's got to send me some long neck Mr. Pibbs. And if I lose and Baker is not the starter on opening day, then. Um, then I have to send him some Dr. Peppers. And look, at, I, I will even, you know, here publicly, I will throw in the caveat that it I don't win the bet if Baker ends up being the starter because thyroid uh, gets hurt. Now, uh, let me, I got to actually have to add an asterisk to that. If uh, Tyrod gets hurt, like on the first day of training camp, then okay, I'm going to have to accept, because I think that, you know, that Baker beats him throughout the training camp and preseason process. But what I'm really saying is that if, if thyroid is the clear and favorite you know starting quarterback heading into like you know the second or third preseason game and then gets hurt and then baker ends up being the starter uh, on opening day okay i will admit right there that i didn't win the bet because my the whole premise is that he is going to win on merit not on injury so i'm trying to be as um, forthright and magnanimous here as possible and not trying to you know if, if it ends up being that thyroid is the clear uh starter and then Mayfield, which right now, it appear, look, I am cutting against everybody on this because everybody but everybody is saying that thyroid is going to be the starter. And I'm not, you know, I'm not trying to just take this contrarian position just to be contrarian. I really believe this. Uh, and, and, you know, I think that you people out there that have been listening to me for any length of time know that I, you know, when I say things, yeah, maybe they're, they're ludicrous and maybe they're stupid and maybe they're wrong. And although they're not really all that often, but even if they are, that at least I'm coming at you from the standpoint 
point of sincerity. I believe what I am saying to you. I'm not just, you know, uh, trying to say what I'm trying to say here just for effect. I don't need to do that. That's not that's not who I, I that's that's not how I operate. And so I think that as this process goes along, what's going to happen is uh, Mayfield's just going to show himself to be the better quarterback now. And again, that's not in any way a a cut against or a slam against Tyrod Taylor. If if we if, if for example, if this were last year, okay, and we had Tyrod, and maybe we should have gotten Tyrod Taylor last year, except you know I think part of the plan was to um to kind of push it to this year because it was a better uh, draft class for quarterbacks. But you know we we can all we can do is speculate on that on those sorts of points. Not even worth getting into, but. If it were last year and we had Deshaun Kaiser and uh, who else did we had? We had uh, Cody Kessler and, and uh, Kevin Hogan. You know, if it, if it was Kid Zeppelin, Hogger, and Cod, and then, you know, we have Tyrod Taylor. Okay. Well, oh, and Brock Lobster forgot about him. And, you know, if that's the quarterback room and you throw thyroid into that mix, well, then, hey. Uh, you know, there's no doubt about it. I, I at that point, am, am not only hoping, but I'm praying that, Ty- that Tyrod Taylor is going to be the starter because he's clearly the best. Clearly the best. And gives us the best uh, chance to win. And you know what? I'll even go so far as to say if we would have drafted any of the other rookie quarterbacks, if we would have drafted Darnold or if we would have drafted Rosen or if we would have drafted, God forbid, uh, Allen. Or, no, I'm just kidding. I, I, if we would have drafted Allen, I would have supported him. And I, and I think that a lot of the criticism of Allen is a little bit far-fetched. I can definitely see what OCBB saw in him. Uh, and, and I think that he's got... Um, more talent than than uh, what he gets a lot of credit for. He just does have some some problems that he's going to have to work out at the pro level. But I'm saying that if it would have been any of those other guys, it feels like I'm leaving somebody out here. Uh, oh, uh, Jackson. If uh, if if it would have been any of those guys, and you know, and we bring in Taylor, I would have been like, all right, yeah, cool. Uh, Taylor's going to be the starter, and we're just going to see how all of this goes. Um, now, look. Having said that, guys, there is no chance that it happens if, if whoever it was we would have drafted number one overall that that guy's not going to play this year you know unless Tyrod comes in and plays playoff caliber football but I mean I, how often does that happen how often does it happen now yeah okay I know he took the bills to the playoffs last year and yeah you know you could say that maybe we've got a better roster than Buffalo and and hey if that ends up happening first of all if that ends up happening that's kind of a rare thing isn't it like when was the last time that a team traded for a quarterback drafted a quarterback number one and then that quarterback that they traded for or somehow otherwise acquired uh, ended up having a really good year and took the team to the playoffs it's very 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 unlikely not impossible certainly but the rookie was going to play at some point anyway and baker is going to play at some point this year it's going to happen well i'm saying even if you reject my my premise that he's not going to be the starter on uh or my, my, my premise is that he is going to be the starter on opening day but if you reject that premise okay fine at some point, he's going to be starting this year, and and Tyrod's uh, uh, value is still going to be great because he'll be a, a a wonderful backup quarterback for us. And then when the season's over, we're going to let him go because there's no way we're going to be paying him fifteen million to stay. Although it's kind of unlikely that any other team is going to be paying him fifteen million a year if he's unable to beat out a rookie quarterback. And I realize that I'm it's almost like a self fulfilling prophecy by my saying that I think it's going to happen and thus extrapolating further how teams are going to react to a hypothetical, which is I I understand it's all that it is, but it's still my prediction uh, that it's going to go down that way. So. 
because I think that when it gets right down to it, the sort of of uh, talent and and here's where I really think if you really want to pinpoint the thing that I think is going to separate Mayfield from Taylor as we get into uh, the the you know practice or a training uh, camp and and the preseason and all of this. That Taylor, his his kind of um, uh, his his calling card that what he's really good at and and why people are confident in him and and optimistic and excited about what he can do is that he just doesn't turn the ball over. You know, he is just a guy that um, he he just uh, he he will take the sack before he will throw the interception. And while that's you know that's good. Yeah, that's certainly an upgrade. I mean, I mean, if he was on our team last year, we probably win five or six games, maybe more, because just how many of those games that we were in last year? It's not like we got blown out every game. In fact, there were a few games that we got blown out last year. There were a lot of games that we were in until these red zone interceptions, which Kid Zeppelin, you know, who I think you know really got kind of a raw deal on a lot of these things. But either way, he was the one that made a lot of these uh, plays, and you know, twenty six interceptions or whatever it was, and and you know how however many was it like twenty turnovers we had overall all in the red zone last year you know just crazy numbers yeah if if thyroid is our quarterback we end up winning a lot of those games and i get that but the if you talk to like if you talk to people that are uh, bills fans they will you know lament the fact that you know he's a guy that can win you some games uh but he's not a guy that's going to be able to stand toe-to-toe with tom brady and win a shootout and that's you know here's the, the the you know we play in the division with with uh, Pigpen, we play in a division with uh, with Dalton, we play um, in a conference that still has Brady, and you know y- you got to beat those guys. Like if we went, we just went through as I say the worst period of of NFL football we have ever seen that the league has ever seen. That anybody has ever seen, perhaps in the history of professional sports. All right, um, the, the reason that we went through all of that is because there was a a giant shining pot of gold at the end of the tunnel, and we. Uh, so if if that's the case, um, we need to be able to have a guy that can stand toe to toe with a Tom Brady or in the old days a Peyton Manning or whoever it is Aaron Rodgers that you look at it as because that's how you're going to win championships and look i realize that we have been kind of um conditioned through just you know a, a constant abuse uh, over these years to never even think or breathe or dream of uh you know winning championships but what is what else is all of this about this is all about us being in a position to win championships and i think that what is going to be the separator between mayfield and thyroid is that Whereas uh, Tyrod Taylor is going to be more prone to um, kind of clutch up and either pull the ball down and run or take the sack, Mayfield is going to be – he's going to take those risks. He's going to take those chances, and he's going to cash in on them. Yeah, he's going to make some. Look, he's going to have some interceptions. He's going to have some. Some you know what? WTF throws. It's going to happen. He's he's going to be a rookie. I mean, while I'm I'm at once. Um, saying that I expect a rookie quarterback to play at, you know at a level that is is very rare. I mean, I under I understand that what I'm predicting here is very much cuts against the grain of uh, you know what typically happens, even for the ones that are really really good. But it's just because that's how much faith and confidence I have in Baker Mayfield. I think that the kid is special. I think that people downplay or don't really fully appreciate uh, what it means to be the only player in collegiate football history to both 
start an FBS opener as a true freshman. Um, I'm sorry, to start a, a um, to be a true freshman and start an FBS opener as a walk on, and also to be a on, the only walk on in history to win the Heisman Trophy. I think that the sort of mental toughness it takes to be able to accomplish those things, and especially because of how I consider the quarterback, the the, the r- nature of the quarterback position in the NFL to be, that when you when you combine those two things, the kid's ready now, in my opinion. Uh, he's ready right now to 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 challenge. And to especially, especially if Josh Gordon is able to, uh, you know, kind of keep keep on the straight and narrow as it looks like he's done to the extent that he needs to. I don't really care if these guys are choir boys. I just need the guy to not get into trouble that he's going to keep him off the field. Because in the final uh, half of last year, even with terrible quarterback play, you could see that Gordon still got the goods. You know, he hasn't he hasn't lost too much for being out of the league for basically the last four years. He's, uh, you know, he's, he's still got it. So if he can remain healthy, and we added the best, the best slot receiver in the league, but also a guy that I think can play on the outside. Um, and we also, I mean, Point is, we've got we've got weapons, y'all, and I'm and I'm you know what I'm not I'm also not a guy that's down on Corey Coleman like a lot of people are. I think that if he can stay healthy, he's gonna be a he's gonna be shocked. He, he is going to shock people with his um, elevated performance this year if the guy can stay healthy. Although I will throw in there another caveat that if he goes out there and breaks his hand after week one, then okay, he's got a broken hand problem. Because that would be three years in a row. That, but you know, he's, he's a great example of the three-year rule. Uh, that which is if you're if you're uninitiated if you have, if you're if you're hearing if you are hearing me for the first time or if you've never uh, read any of the stuff that I've that I've written about any of these things uh, I believe very much that when you are evaluating um, draft drafted players individually or drafted classes collectively that you really which is also to say when you are gauging the the veracity or the the success of a given GM right. You know, or an administration uh, of the team for their performance. I think that you are wise to wait at least three full seasons before make because I think it takes in some cases three seasons for players to develop fully. Or I should say, um, after three years, you get you have a a full picture of whether or not that guy is going to be what you thought he was going to be when you drafted him. And of course, every time every time I say this, you know, I I, I get backlash, which is fine, but. I have to throw in there, there are exceptions to the rule. There are definitely exceptions to the rule. And I think currently on our roster, we've got two, two exceptions to that rule on opposite sides of the spectrum. Uh, I think that, like Miles Garrett, for example, I, I am, I am, I'm, I'm there. He, he, I don't need to see any more from him. He's going to be a stud. He's going to be a star. He's going to, I have no problem. I'm, I'm going to make a bold prediction here. Miles Garrett, at least, at very least, before his career is over, he will be the Browns' all-time sack leader. It's going to happen. Uh, and so I, I have no... And, and by the way, I think David Njoku is another one that kind of is already... I'm already, you know, after one year, I'm, I'm convinced he's an exception to the rule. He's going to be a stud. Um, but I think that on the other side of this, Jabril Peppers... I, and, and by the way, I love Jabril Peppers. I do. I, I love the kid's attitude. If I, you know, if I were... If, if I were a father of a, you know, college-aged young lady, Jabril Peppers is exactly the type of young man that I would you know want courting her as it were i just think attitudinally he's he's just a solid guy i just i just and, and i hope i hope 
I hope that I'm wrong. I hope that everybody else that's telling me, no, man, easy, you're wrong. He just was playing out of position the whole time last year, and now that he's going to be closer to the line of scrimmage, playing in his more natural spot, he's going to be better. Guys, you got You don't know how much I hope that you are right and I am wrong about this. And hey, Jabril, if, Peppers, if you're listening to this, um, nothing but love, dude. I mean, I love you. And, I, and if you end up uh, you know, getting it right and being a, a great player for us, I'm going to be, dude, I'm going to be your biggest fan. And I will happily come along here and say, I was wrong, I was wrong, I was wrong. Everybody laugh at me because I was wrong about Jabril Peppers. I'm just saying that right now, I'm, I'm just not... I'm just not confident that it's that it's ever going to happen uh, because of just a lot of things that I saw last year. And look, maybe the, some of that had to do with scheme. All I'm saying is that there are and look, some people can um, can point to uh, Cam Irving uh, when it comes to that, you know, and, and that not without getting into the whole uh, churn paradigm that, that I've talked about at length in the past. Uh, I, I'm just, you know, I, people right away thought that Cam Irving was garbage. Well, before his three years were even done with us, he's on another team. And I don't think that he's going to be a starter for the Chefs this year. He might be. Um, I actually think he's probably uh, Mitch Schwartz's uh, backup. But I, I, be that as it may, he was a bust for us, right? He, he you know, he he never made it for us. So fine, people uh, correctly identified right from the beginning that he was an exception to the three-year rule, and cool. I was not among those. I was I was, I wanted to see because I had I you know I I wanted the guy to work out, uh, just like I you know we gave up on Danny Shelton, and I've not been happy about that, and I understand why. And I'm 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 just to me when that happens, it's not about being right or wrong. It's just, man, there's another first round pick that we got really nothing out of. And and I you know, and that was the one that we uh, traded. No, that wasn't the Manziel one. That was the one that we got for the trading up from four uh, the year before. But whatever. Um, it, it's, it's just not worth uh, um, rehashing all of that at this point. I, I, what I'm what I'm talking about is looking at the the overall um, scheme of things. You know, three years is really the amount of time to correctly have a have a solid handle on who is going to be good, who's not going to be good, and whether or not a given drafted player or draft class is is going to pan out. Like you, you know, you, I, I should say, after three years, you can say pretty definitively. Whereas prior to that time, and so you know, Corey Coleman's going into his third year. We got actually everybody from that 2016 draft. We got uh, you know guys like. like Emmanuel Ogba. I think Ogba is going to have a breakout year that uh, that some people aren't going to be expecting. Joe Schobert kind of had his breakout here last year. Was our only Pro Bowl player. Uh, I think that he's going to continue to establish himself. Other guys that were in that uh, that draft class, uh, and, and some guys are, I think are going to be like, for example, I think that Carl Nassib probably isn't going to even make the team. I think he's probably going to end up being the odd guy out. And after lining up offsides for that Miles Garrett. Um, you know, pick six that possibly could have gotten us a win in Chicago. Uh, yeah, maybe we cut him just for that. Of course, well, hey, easy. How come you don't get rid of Coco for dropping that pass on fourth down? I've talked about this. I, I, you know, I think that there may be some, maybe, maybe. I, I, I don't really stop being a homer. Maybe some benefit of the doubt on that because. You know, I mean, it, it was uh, he, he, it looked like Kaiser was going to run on that play. All of a sudden, he stops the last possible moment and rifles it in there. I, whatever. He dropped the pass. He should have caught the pass. I get that. Not going to argue about that. I'm just saying that even though that was a terrible, terrible, terrible thing and he deserves all of the lashings and tar and feathering that he can get, I'm still uh, excited about what he can do when combined now with Josh Gordon, Jarvis Landry, and let's not forget Antonio Callaway. Uh, the reports are that he's just rocking it in, um, in everything 
everything that he's doing in training camp so far, so or, or the mini camps and everything that we've done to this point. I mean, those are weapons, y'all. And if you look at, you know, beyond that, you know, Rashard Higgins, who showed a lot of stuff last year, you know, he if, he, if that guy's probably going to be our fifth receiver unless we, you know, pick somebody else up. And we also got that guy, uh, the, the white dude from um, from Green Bay, Jeff Janis. Uh, I'm sorry, the um, the the uh, the <clears throat> the gritty gym rat um, <laughs> type from, uh, you know, the the, the uh, surprisingly athletic or, or uh, whatever, <laughs> however you want to uh classify that we got that so i mean those are i mean you look at our our wide receiver core and so when you have that when you when you got i would say and then i also mentioned david and joku and i didn't even mention seth the valve who and we also picked up a veteran tight end and david fells these are the, and you look at the backfield you know nick chubb and uh and and duke johnson of course was, was probably our best um, offensive skill position player over the last several years these are guys that um, yeah, I, I, it, it certainly cuts both ways. A lot of people are expecting that since uh, Tyrod is, Taylor is going to have better weapons than what he's ever had, that he's you know that he's going to perform better than he's ever had. And, and maybe, look, if that happens, if Tyrod Taylor ends up being the starter on opening day and takes us to the playoffs, I'm going to love me some Tyrod Taylor. But I'm just saying that I think what's going to end up happening is that the reason that we were able to acquire him for a third round pick is because he's you know he's 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 a type of quarterback that you can get for a third-round pick. Uh, well, so was Alex Smith. Yeah, I, I get you. I get you. Different um, circumstances, to be sure. Uh, I think the Niners just made a, a really boneheaded thing there. And look, maybe the Bills did too. Uh, but I, but also, you know, Smith was the first pick in the draft. Tyrod's undrafted rookie for agent. Look, we're, we're, we're going to find out soon enough on all of this. But I think that compared to, to Tyrod, when Mayfield is going to be in that position, and he's got you know, really good wide receivers to throw to. And look, I'm, I haven't changed my tune from last year that uh, the quarterback is the one that really dominates that relationship between the, you know, QB wide receiver pairings and, and so on. But uh, I, but I, I think that with with the sort of receiving talent that we have, that Mayfield's going to be what's going to really um, separate him is that he's going to take chances and he's going to connect a lot more. And he's going to... Um, He's going to separate himself in that he's going to be making plays. And as this goes along, and when we get into training camp and people start saying, wow, I can't believe the sort of mastery of the uh, the playbook that he has. I mean, look, he was already supposed to be the third guy. We were supposed to have... Um uh, you know Rex Skelton there, and I, I know it's it's Drew Stan. I don't know why, but I just <laughs> I like I, that, that's that's the nickname that I've come up with him. But he was supposed to be the second guy, and instead he's you know Mayfield's already moved up to number two. Now look, yeah, maybe some of this is just posturing, but uh, but I'm definitely of the belief that when when all is is said and done, he is going to um, get a lot more. You know, as we head into the preseason, there's going to be a lot more real serious looks at him with the ones, and as we get into the preseason it's not necessarily there's going to be a competition it's going to be like the I, you know what i'm basically predicting i'm basically predicting the russell wilson uh situation from a couple of years ago yes yes i understand that uh that um tyrod's a better quarterback and certainly more accomplished than matt flynn but then again i also think that um that baker mayfield is a more accomplished quarterback than russell wilson and you know, I don't, how, how can you possibly compare a guy that's never played an NFL down to a guy that is a bona fide? Well, actually, there's a lot of people that don't think that Russell Wilson is an elite quarterback, and I don't know what in the world you need to do. If, if, you, don't, if you don't look at Russell Wilson and see a special, special talent, I don't know what you're looking at. It may be a weird dude, but you know, it seems like these guys that are good are kind of weird, right? And Mayfield definitely checks those boxes, which I'm great with. I love weird. You know, the, the weirdness of the guy is, is endearing to me. Uh, but... 
you know, be that as it may, that's really what I'm what I'm predicting here is that Mayfield is going to surprise people with his play, with his talent, uh, and he's just going to outplay um, Tyrod Taylor, and he's going to win the winning job. So. Uh, I, I've, I've thoroughly beaten that to death. That's my um, I, I continue to uh, pre- and again, that's not it's not just that I want to see that happen. Do I want to see that happen? Certainly I want to see that happen. You want to see that happen. You listening right now, would you not love to see that happen? Would you not love to see our first pick in the draft quarterback of the future guy, the guy that we have essentially cashed in all of our chips on would you not like to see him win the starting job outright because of play because of performance and perform remember the Seahawks went 13 and 3 that first year with Russell Wilson I'm not getting that you know overboard about all of this because you know Hugh Jackson is still there but uh, wouldn't you love to see that happen of course you would of course you would but I think a lot of you are resigned to the notion look we can't force him in there right away and I'm not and I'm not saying that we need to force him I'm just saying it's going to happen um, and but that but you are all kind of resigned to the fact that yeah I'd like to see him in there but you know you can't you can't force the situation easy you gotta you gotta kind of you know let the things play out you can't put him in there you know we don't need to rush him in there and 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 look I, I'm I'm with you on that I'm just because I'm saying I want it to happen I am not making the case that it necessarily has to happen if I'm wrong okay if I'm wrong about Baker Mayfield and his talent and where he's at in this process, um, or if I am un- un- underestimating Hugh's hard-headedness on all of this, then, uh, you know, cool. Uh, well, first of all, I'll admit that I'm wrong, but I'm not opposed to, this is the point, I'm not opposed to the concept of Tyrod Taylor being the starting quarterback or that model of putting in a veteran and letting him, uh, you know, do his thing while the rookie comes along slowly. I got, in fact, that was exactly what my attitude was with uh, Brian Hoyer and Johnny Manziel. You know, when cause, because I thought that Hoy Boy was a much better um, uh, talent. I, he was he was he gave us a much better chance of. Well, there was also the other dynamic there. I wanted to see if if there was any if there was anything there with Hoyer because we got a glimpse of it the year before, and I just wanted to see was there anything there. And I also believe that Manziel was just not anywhere near ready, as he proved to be the case when he eventually did get in later on that uh, in the year. But it's a different situation. The players are different. The, the characters involved here are way different. Hoyer and Taylor are not the same guys. Taylor's a better quarterback than Hoyer. I, I, but but Mayfield is a much, much, much better prospect than Manziel. So much better. Well, and, and the draft position you know, kind of proves it. Uh, you know, Manziel was taken 22nd overall. We took uh, you know, Baker first overall. So... Uh, all that to say that while I don't have a problem with, you know, this is kind of like the, you know, philosophically, I'm I'm fine with us doing what we have stated we are going to do. Um, in my heart of hearts, what I want to see happen may differ from that, but I'm not even talking about that. I'm saying that sober looking at this and the what I think is going to happen, even taking into consideration what everybody, including Mayfield, has said about this up until now, I am still undaunted, unwavering, saying, and fully prepared to um, uh, put my money in my mouth is uh, in in the form of uh, some some twelve uh, pack long necks of Dr Pepper uh, to my to my dude uh, B- BIC. If it comes down to this, I think that Mayfield's going to be the starter on opening day, and I'm excited about that. I'm excited about, uh, and, and I think that he's going to 
to perform well and that we are going to have um, a, a, a much, 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 much better season than we have experienced uh, in quite some time. I'm not going to uh, – and on the child, it's gotten a little bit nutty here, which is really causing Forth to go uh, overdrive with uh, producing all of these um, these uh, anti-jinxing voodoo dolls that he's got over there in, uh, in, in wherever it is where, – wherever he is over there in Eastern Europe. But the the um, – but the the exuberance and the excitement and all of the hype uh, is great, and, and I think that and I actually think that a lot of it's justified because I think that we are going to be a, a much more improved team, even if it isn't May- Mayfield, even if it is uh, Tyrod. Although if it's Tyrod Taylor, I, I'm going to be honest with you, my expectations for the season are not that high, and, it, and it's not nothing to do with Tyrod. And I realize that a lot of this stuff sounds counterintuitive, but it's just I, I think that there's a nothing is static, right? Everything is a dynamic, and as you go through the season, and maybe the next time that I uh, that I talk with y'all, I'll, I'll I'll break this out a little bit more. Which, by the way, uh, barring some unforeseen calamity. I do anticipate now getting back on the regular schedule of doing a a cast at least every week and maybe more and maybe a lot more. We'll see. Uh, I, I, I am very grateful for all of the uh, the the really the support that y'all have shown me out there there's been a lot of not just for what i do here on this program but the uh the entire dbn network and just the the nice things that you guys the support that you've uh, you've given me and you know the people that have been inquiring you know, inquiring hey you're gonna put up another show I really want to hear what you got to say about you know, it, it it may uh, it really it really means a lot to me whenever i hear that stuff I, you know i'm 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 a, I'm, a, I'm a person like anybody else i've got uh, emotions and so forth and uh it's just it it because honestly like i said before i'm not about trying to be uh, provocative i'm not like that gold schlager dude that uh, was you know i'm gonna eat a bag of horse manure if mayfield's drafted number one overall what a putz anyway i i don't do that um i I'm, I'm not here to say provocative things just to be provocative if i tell you something yeah it may be weird uh it may be uh it certainly is going to be um you know i subscribe to what Patton said if everybody is thinking the same thing then somebody's not thinking that doesn't mean that i necessarily have to take a contrarian view on everything it does typically mean that i do though um but but I'm, what i'm saying is that if i say something here you can believe that i believe what i'm saying and so i say all of that to say that i do intend to start now back with the um the the uh routine i guess of doing new programs every week and also along with that doing um the articles you know the easy like sunday morning i've been uh, i've been very derelict and again i've given my reasons why uh, this off season, this and I got, also got to mention something else about this off season, um, which really kind of went like a, in, a, in a in a snap. I mean, it was just it's I, I can't believe that we're already upon uh, the dawn of the new regular season. But uh, the um, yeah, this off season, I, I should say this this last first of all, the last two seasons, and then especially this last draft season. Uh, it took a lot out of me. I, I got to be honest with you. It really, it just, it just took emotionally, uh, intensity-wise. I've really kind of needed this entire off season to just kind of, just kind of decompress a little bit. And it's not that I don't still you know, love the Browns or I don't still have the same energy for the Browns, but you know, you, you got to. We've all kind of gone through this. This has not been an easy last three years. Uh, so I, you know, I, as I'm, uh, but I'm now kind of starting to get that. You know, you you, you got to get that. Um, 
that uh, you know if, if you're if 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 your uh, your mom is 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 cooking a delicious meal and you're you know you're you're in the house or you're out in the yard and you catch that first whiff of it you're like ooh you know there's that uh, that, that that delicious smell of something that I'm I'm, I'm about to enjoy uh, you kind you can kind of get that waft of the NFL scent the you know football is uh, is is in the air uh, you could just it's it's so close you know the Hall of Fame game is just a couple of weeks away and and you know so as as that's all kind of percolating out there and as that is uh, it, it, it makes me kind of feel like okay it's um it's getting to be that time of getting kind of back to normal where you know the articles and the podcasts and uh, and also since uh, since we're talking about this haven't thrown out the uh, invitation in quite a while but hey no better time than right now if you think that you can do this and let me tell you something you can uh, you, you you definitely can if you feel like you want to do this you certainly can do this uh, if you'd like to be a part of what we do here on the dbn network man hit me up easyweave at gmail.com all right and or you can you know, th- you know do it in the article or hit me up on twitter although i i am i i realize i'm terrible about keeping up on stuff on twitter i am um, i'm a little bit better on facebook um so you know if, if you hit me up on any of those places <clears throat> actually i'm a lot better on facebook if you hit me up on facebook i will pretty much see uh, what you do right away. I've, I've made it a concerted effort to be more um, uh, more active, I guess, just more uh, familiar and cognizant of what's going on there. Uh, and, but and and also because you know I'm I'm, a, like, I'm I'm not complaining. I'm I live a tremendously blessed life, so I'm I'm not you know I, I'm not complaining at all about anything. But I'm I am I'm just a busy guy. I got my hands in a lot of things, and so not. <laughs> Don't take it the wrong way, uh, but the uh, I, I, I'm I, I I do my level best to keep up on all of this stuff, uh, but. You know, let me know. Let me know that you would like to be a part of what we do here, and I am more than happy, enthusiastic, excited to help make you a part of what we do here, and to do your own cast or to be a you know to be a part in any other way. Uh, you know, I haven't thrown this uh, out there in forever. If you've got a business, okay, if you've got something, because we've got look, I mean, I'm not not trying to. Uh, over-inflate anything out there. But, you know, we have grown. Uh, the, the, what we do here has actually amassed some... Uh, well, well, obviously, I don't have to tell you that you're listening to this, uh, but but you are not the only one. There there are lots of people. It's, you know, it's gone from the, you know, the kind of the hundreds to the thousands, and I'm happy about that, you know? Uh, n- nothing nothing major, nothing huge, but as we go into our third year here of the DBN Network, I'm, I'm happy with the growth. I'm happy with, uh, with, with the, the reach that we have, and I'm most, you know, more than that, more than anything else, I'm happy that what we've been able to do here is to connect you guys, to connect with you guys, um, that we're able to give you something that <clears throat> that you're not that you're not really getting anywhere else, uh, you know, kind of sober. Uh, I probably shouldn't keep using that word because that's maybe not exactly uh, accurate, but it's you know, but a, a but a uh, a reasoned kind of patient. Uh, not fire-breathing uh, approach to all of this, and, and kind of an analysis that's oriented in uh, patience and, and and all of this. I'm, I'm and I'm very uh, uh, happy with the guys. You know, I, I like uh, that it looks like now uh, we're going to be having uh, some fairly regular contributions from two guys that I absolutely love, Josh Finney and Mike Krupka. They're going to be. Uh, they've already done the uh, the 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 show. Uh, they've got which if you haven't heard it, go back and take a listen to it. It's good stuff. Uh, also. Um, my dude Thelonious, who's just man, you know, siempre feel the dude is just he, he's been faithful from uh, the rip, and I can't say enough about uh, Browns booze BS, you know, Robo and Ska. Although you guys do need to get some stuff going, haven't heard from you in a while. And uh, hey, hey, Dartho, 
Dude, and, and BTB, both of you guys, get on it. Um, we need to we need to get some more casts going on here, and we're going to. And even uh, even our old buddy uh, uh, BY uh, Brownies Year was talking about getting back in the mix. So let's hope that all of that happens. Point is, the more the merrier, because the DBN network more than anything, I can't say more than else. The DBN network is way way more than just Easy Weave. Okay, it's way more than about me. Um, in fact, I wish there was uh, more voices than just mine, because I think that um, I, I I don't really think that I'm that, that there's anything all that particularly special about me. I do very much appreciate a lot of the the love and the um, the uh, well wishes, but. Um, uh, at any rate, it's uh, it is all um, it, it is all uh, uh, good to go out there. And if you want to be part of what we do moving forward, hit me up easyweave at gmail dot com. Hit me up on Facebook. Hit me up. By the way, like uh, the DBN network on Facebook and on Twitter. And we're going to be more active. Like I say, it's been kind of uh, dormant uh, over the last uh, you know several months. Because look, it's not just me. I think a lot of us had just. I, th- I think that for a lot of us, we kind of needed to take these last couple of months off. I can only speak for myself, and I'm not trying to speak for anybody else, right? But I'm just saying peripherally as I look out there, we we have kind of needed to just take a little bit of a break. Uh, and and I'm and I'm. Feeling a lot more like my batteries are kind of recharged, like I'm ready to get at it here, and and I cannot uh, more effusively uh, and exuberantly welcome and uh, hope that that uh, that that some of you can um, can uh, get more involved in this. And if not, well then hey, tell your friends about what we're doing here. Let them know that there is some uh, some some um, stuff that uh, that that maybe they don't know about. You know, there's some there's some people out there that are uh, providing some information and some coverage of this team that you're not going to get, you know, anywhere else and and what these what is what is a uh, uh not you know the Cleveland media is not very well respected by the consumers of it is from from what I've been able to ascertain. Well, we are not Cleveland media. We are just, you know, we are and have always been Browns fans talking to Browns fans. That's it. We come at this the only agenda that we have is we love the Browns and so if you are so inclined and you'd like to get your voice out there, just let me know and we will make it happen. And like I was saying, as I was get, beginning to say, if you've got a business, if you've got you know something that you want to have promoted, if you have an event, if you've got something um, you know that's that's happening that you need to promote, I mean, we're not the biggest megaphone in the world, but hey, we're there. We're here. I'm, I'm making the offer. You got something that you want us to talk about? I will talk about it, and we will talk about it. Make, make commercials for you, whatever you want um, to get it out there. Um, my buddy Corey, well, you know, Corey and I have this uh, <laughs> this great relationship, uh, but he's going to be you know he's he's got some exciting stuff. He's got a malting business that's uh, going to be which I don't think that I'm violating too much by by putting you know. But I, we're going to be enthusiastically promoting that when the time comes. Uh, for, you know, so if you've got a, I, I don't care what you're doing. If you've got a business, hey. I'm I'm all for seeing that business uh, be successful, and if we can do it and help you through uh, the or, or, or whatever, if you got a charity, whatever it is you got going on, you want us to promote it, man, send it to me. I'm happy to talk about that stuff and to get the word out there because you know, and I'm not trying to sound uh, saccharine or or you know uh, syrupy about all of this, but you know, I'm, I'm just I'm, we're here for you. I mean, the, this is we're if if nothing else, okay, and um, I, I guess I I won't really be able to get to the uh, the top twenty five worst things that have happened. Uh, maybe I will. Um, you know what? Let me do that right now because I posted this yesterday. You can tell me what you know. Actually, you know what? No, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to get into it right now. 
I'm going to save it for the next one. I'm going to save it for the next time that we get. To, so I'm doing a little bit of a, of a tease for the next time that we get together, because I realize that I've just been talking to you for an hour and a half, and I don't really need to uh, subject you to too much more of me. But uh, next show, I'll do the uh, the top 25. And by the way, if you want to see it for yourself, uh, it is on the yesterday's Daily Dog Child, which, of course, you can see at dogsbynature.com. Of course, it's always good to put in the disclaimer that the DBN Network does not have an official uh, relationship with DogsByNature.com. And the only reason I say that is because if something is said here that you know offends you or that you've got a problem with, I just don't want any sort of residual harm going to them. You know, I, I say that basically to protect them. We we, we lo- look. There is absolutely a symbiotic relationship between the two. We promote them. Uh, we are they are basically the um, the platform for us. So we uh, you know. They're, we, we, we love them, love Chris Pocorny and all, and all the guys that, uh, that do everything there. But I'm just saying there's not an official relationship. But if you go there, go to ye- yesterday's Daily Dog Chows for, so for 720, then you can see the list for yourself. The, uh, what, I, what I just jotted down, uh, what I consider to be the top 25 worst moments in Browns for the Browns over the last 10 years. Uh, if you want to, because I'll, I'll kind of break that out in, next, in, in the next cast talking about um about our beloved orange helmets then you can add to it and you can give me uh, what your uh, thoughts are on it and we can talk about that during the next uh, during the next program but uh, what i was you know gonna what, what, I, what i'll close this out with and, and the reason why i'm kind of spending a lot of time luxuriating in the you know what we provide and what we want to provide and why why i am so you know if you're somebody out there that is listening to this chances are um you know you've been you've been down for the struggle so to speak for a while you've been you've been and uh, uh, following this team, if, if you, I mean, if you're listening to this, that means you love this team. If you love this team, that means that you've, <laughs> that means that you've been through what we've all been through. And and so, uh, if you got something that that we can promote, man, I want to do it just because I kind of feel like your family. You know what I mean? Uh, because over these last three years, I, I've been I've been doing a lot of thinking on this um, as of late. You know, over these last three years, um. We haven't had anybody, right? I mean, the entire and it's not that the the rest of the world has has had it out for us. It's just that you know, at at best, we've gotten their pity, uh, but we haven't gotten any seriousness from anybody. They look at us like we're an unfunny joke. I'm talking about the Browns and and Browns fans, as you know, all around. And look, they've had every reason to because we have been an unfunny joke uh, for that period of time, and yet. You know, there's there's kind of a group of us every day that got up and went to the chow and continued. Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, we we, we had the, these uh, little rivalries amongst each other, but it was all oriented around the love we have for this team. All that to say, I want to help promote you and what you're doing in your own personal life because I kind of feel like your family. Because you know what? For the last, and actually it goes back even further than three years, but really for the last three years, the only thing that we have had is each other. That's it. That's the only thing that we have had to hang our hats on is each other and whether and, and you know, it's 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 one of these things. And I am going to be a little bit of a um, well, if you don't know, you don't know uh, if, if you it, it really is something that if you if you haven't been a part of it, I, I really I, I can't explain it to you. Uh, the sort of bonds that we have amongst each other, even people that viscerally disagree with each other uh, on really important things that comes back to. But you know what? You're 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 still my guy you know you're still uh or, or, or you're still my gal if you're emily or happy blue or any of the the 
ladies that we have there as well. I mean, you, you guys are on my team. It's kind of like a couple years ago when Matt Wood was having the uh, thing with uh, Steve Smith and on Twitter and people were giving him hell over it. I kind of looked at that like, yeah, okay, w- w- maybe uh, w- whether you think it's appropriate or not, um, Matt Wood's on my team here. You know, Matt, Matt Wood's on team uh, DBN, on team Cleveland. So, so that's my guy. And I'm going to take his side because Steve Smith is a Raven. He's not on my team. Is that wrong? I don't care. Uh, my team is my team. And you guys are my team. You guys are, are you know, in, in a, again, not trying to be too syrupy about this, but y'all, y'all are my family. You know, we've had, in, in, in the Brown sense, as we have gone through this, if we have gone through this, and again, as I, you know, I'll talk, and it'll, you know, it'll drive the point even more uh, when I do the, uh, the top 25 worst things that we've had to go through. Which I was actually, because you know, I'm going into the, I'm like, what am I going to talk about? I'm not going to have anything. To, I'm, I'm not going to be able to fill a show to talk about because if I, you know, so I'll do the top 25. Here we are, and uh, yeah, I didn't have a problem doing with the, with content. Um, so we'll talk about it the next time around. But as I'm saying, these last three years, as we've gone, th- and all, you, I don't have to mention all the disappointment. You've lived it all, but you know what? Though we've lived it all uh, together, um, we've 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 hung together, and here we still are. And uh, and and that's a really important thing. I mean, it just it really it's it's a it's such an important thing to me. Um, wh- what the Browns mean to me, I, I think that you've you've been able to figure that out over this time. But honestly, what you mean to me, and I think that what we all mean to each other. Uh, that's it's it's a it's a special thing, and if you haven't gone through it, it really is kind of difficult to to describe and, and to. I mean, because I'm, I'm not saying that other teams haven't had their their rough periods, but if you're and I actually, and this is kind of an amazing thing, there are people that are that are not Browns fans that listen to this this little thing that we do here. Uh, and I'm not trying to say that you haven't had your tough times, but really, are you going to try to tell me any of you have had as tough a time as we have had? And it's not a you know, hey, look at us, we've had the toughest. I mean, honestly, what sort of a contest is that? I mean, we're not trying to race to the bottom here, but I am saying. Saying that if you look at what we've kind of gone through, the fact that we have hung tough and we have stayed together and we have, for the most part, supported each other as we've gone through this, um, it's a special thing, guys. And when all of this turns around and we are um, and we are actually, uh, you know, we're going to see some wins, we're going to see some success here. I got to tell you, as as much looking forward as I am seeing that, because I love the Cleveland Browns, I'm I'm pretty much as much looking forward to that. So that way I can, for the first time, celebrate with you guys, because you know what? We deserve it. And um, and I'm looking forward to that day, which is going to be uh, coming soon, mostly because of uh, because of one Baker Mayfield, but also because of um, I think what's uh, been a very good job uh, done by uh, both the combination of Sashi Brown and John Dorsey, and I'm also hopeful for uh, the the growth and development of Hugh Jackson and Greg Williams and everybody else that's involved. It's been a pleasure talking with you as it always is, uh, and as I say, barring some unforeseen calamity, you will be hearing both sooner from me and more frequently from me, and not just me, but everybody else on the network. Again, if you want to be a part of what we do, hit me up, easyweave at gmail.com, on Facebook, uh, easyweave, or on Twitter, at easyweave. Hit me up on any of those places. Happy to get you on. Um, love talking with you. Love you. Just have, just appreciate you being out there. And uh, until next time, good luck. God bless. Hey, I'm Anil Dash, and I'm the host of a new show called Function from the Vox Media Podcast Network and Glitch. 
This season, we're talking with experts about why our voting machines are so bad and how that might hurt our elections. We'll also talk with an animator to find out how popular dances from the real world end up in video games. And we're going to tackle the biggest question in tech. Why do so many celebrities use screenshots from that Apple Notes app to make their public apologies when they screw up? You can find new episodes of Function every Monday on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And thanks to Microsoft Azure for sponsoring Function.